Hey, 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 what's up, TJS fam? Welcome back to the podcast. For those of you who are new, hi, I'm Peyton, and I'm just a girl trying to share the good news of Jesus and also your host for the show. Now, I drop new episodes every weekend, most of the time on Saturdays, and hopefully you can look at this podcast as a safe place to get away for a few minutes to have a fun and friendly conversation about life and Jesus, of course. You're going to hear some funny stories, deep conversations, and of course, tips for following Christ too. Now, for this episode, we are talking about my favorite verse in the Bible. Oh my gosh, I'm so excited. We dive into the book of Matthew, talk about the life of Jesus, and some tips on how to treat Jesus like a friend because, spoiler alert, y'all, he wants to be your friend. We get honest and real this time around, so you do not want to miss this one. The best part of your day starts right now. Let's get into it. All right. Hey, hey, how are you guys? Just a little quick disclaimer before we start. If my voice sounds a little bit icky, I have been feeling under the weather here lately, especially today. Just been feeling really congested and tired. So if my voice sounds weird, that is why. But the show must go on, right? The podcast still gets recorded no matter what. Also, can y'all believe that it's December? We're at the end of 2023. That is insane. And also, Q, it is the most wonderful time of the year by Andy Williams that is on loop right now. That is such a cutie little Christmas song to play around this time of year. It's finally the season for Christmas light drives, gingerbread cookies, and y'all, the Polar Express. That's my favorite Christmas movie, by the way. A little fun fact about me there. And also, I saw this post on Instagram and it had the iconic Matthew McConaughey. So, you know, we had to talk about it just a little bit. He was crying with a little intro to the Polar Express with the snow. If you're a real one, you know what I'm talking about. And it said something like, today's kids will never know this feeling. And safe to say, the nostalgia was so real. I was like, oh my gosh, throwing it back to elementary school days. They would literally set up this whole cute little scene in the library. We'd all go sit under a blanket and they'd have the projector screen pulled down and we'd have hot cocoa and we'd watch the movie. It was so cute. And speaking of Christmas, I need to do a poll because I haven't done one in a while. I'm bad about that. And maybe that's what this one will be about, your favorite Christmas movie. Who knows? Anyway, I am currently drinking hot cocoa out of my little gingerbread mug and could not be happier. I think my biggest theme this year is gingerbread. I think I'm a gingerbread girly this year. It's all over the studio. So (laughs) gingerbread is definitely my number one decoration this year. So the real ones know what the first thing we do on the pod is, but if you don't, drum roll, please. It is testimony time. And here's the slogan for this one. If you're hungry enough, you'll eat anything. Confused? Don't worry. Here's the story. So this week, I forgot my breakfast and ran out the door. So I was hungry when I got to the office, but had no snacks, surprisingly. The one time I needed some, right, that's when you have nothing 90% of the time. So I asked my coworker if she had any snacks, and she came through. She pulls out this gigantic bag of jalapeno Cheez-Its. And y'all, when I tell you I ate those so fast, I did. I didn't care that they were a little stale or how loud I chewed in the office. I was hungry. And I heard a voice say, if you're hungry, you'll eat anything. I want you to think about this question for this episode. What am I hungry for? Because get this, in order to be like Jesus, We have to be unlike the world. 
2 Corinthians 6.17 tells us exactly that in the Bible. And these are the words of Jesus, not Peyton. So that's all Jesus. And let me tell you, this hit me hard, y'all. I was like, ouch. Okay, God, let me examine myself here. If Jesus was sitting next to me right now, would he be pleased with how I'm living my life? And I'm not saying this because I'm some perfect Christian girl, because let me tell you, if y'all rode with me to work in that rush hour traffic, oh, we obviously I'm not cussing or anything, but my temper can tick up a few notches. I'm not going to lie. I'm laying on the horn and throwing my hands up like, who let this guy get a license? I know you're going to speed limit, but can you like go faster, please? Just like go five miles over. I'm like freaking out because <laughs> I'm so scared I'm going to be late to work. But I don't say this to condemn you, but to encourage you. Jesus didn't come to condemn, but to save. And he is calling us, calling you to do the same. Don't condemn people. Instead, show them the life of Jesus by becoming more like him. Hunger more for Jesus and not for the world. And I was listening to a Christian conference recently, and they were talking about being thirsty and how if you're getting your water from any other source other than God, you will always be thirsty. But as I listened, I remembered a story, the woman at the well. And the main point Jesus told her was this. He is the living water, and whoever accepts him into their heart will never thirst again. So let's flip it back to hunger, right? Apply this concept to Christ. Let's start reading our Bibles more instead of scrolling through social media. Carve out more time to pray more and to spend one-on-one -on -one time with God and get to know Him. Because when we do, that's when more of Jesus gets revealed to us. And then that's when we can go out and tell more people about Christ. We have the promise that speaks to both thirst and hunger in John 6, 35. Today, I'm thankful for spending more time with Jesus and for jalapeno Cheez-Its. It's definitely going to go on the grocery store list, and I'm probably going to go buy some after the episode today. Not going to lie here. Those were so good. Okay, so the book of the Bible we're checking out today is Matthew. We are in the New Testament in book number one. And we are headed into what I like to call the Jesus era because if you didn't know, the Old Testament is life before Jesus came to earth as a man, died, and rose again. So fun fact, the word testament literally means something that serves as a sign or evidence of a specified fact, event, or quality. Some synonyms are proof, evidence, and witness. So if we apply that to the New Testament, the stories from Matthew all the way to Revelation are evidence that Jesus is real, that he came and died for us to set us free. And I always think that this is amazing how even words aren't placed in the Bible by accident, right? Like this part of the Bible could have been titled part two or another set of stories, but the words New and Old Testament were placed there for a reason to show people that what you are about to read really happened and that this man named Jesus is real and he wants a relationship with you today. So before we start, as always, let's do a quick book breakdown to get the gist of where we are in the Bible, because let's be real, there's a lot going on in this story, to say the least. So the author is, of course, Matthew, duh. <laughs> and I always love diving into just who the author is of a Bible story, because they were people just like us. So what we know about this guy named Matthew is he was a tax collector for the Roman government, is known as the writer of the first gospel and a messenger who spread the teachings and messages of Jesus around various areas. 
Okay, quick little side note here. I just thought about this. I wonder if in heaven, Matthew is like walking around with some swagger like, yeah, what's up? I'm the guy who wrote the first gospel in your face, Peter. You thought you were the favorite? Wrong. (laughs) I'm just kidding. Jesus has no favorites, okay? He has no favorites. He loves us all equally. But the theme here is that Jesus is the one true king and that his mercy and promises endure forever. They have no end. And this book begins with the lineage of Jesus. But then, guys, we get into some action. Right off the bat, we meet these three fellows called the wise men who are being led by a star to where Jesus is in Bethlehem. So Jesus had just been born at this point, and the king of that time, his name was Herod, was seeking to destroy him because it was prophesied that a king would come and rule over the land. So when the wise men found baby Jesus, they brought him gifts of gold, frankincense, and myrrh. Don't ask me what those last two things are, because I honestly don't know. So anyway, they offer the gifts and then are warned through a dream of Herod's real intentions, right, to kill baby Jesus, concerning baby Jesus. So they flee. Obviously, this mission failed. Herod did not kill him, because we're here, years later, talking about Jesus. So the story is starting off strong here. You have many moments in this book, Jesus being baptized in the Jordan River, being tempted by Satan himself in the wilderness, and so much more. Seriously, guys, this book is a highly recommended read. Such a good story. But the part I want to focus on is found in chapter 28. So if you want to turn to our verse spotlight, it is in Matthew 28, 20. Again, that is Matthew chapter 28, verse 20. I'm so, so excited for this. You have no idea because, again, this is my favorite verse. The verse says, and I'm reading out of the New King James Version, Matthew 28, 20, teaching them to observe all things that I have commanded you. And lo, I am with you always, even to the end of the age. Now, we are at the final chapter of the story. Things are winded down here and Jesus is speaking. These are red letters here, right? Just a little background of what is going on. The setting is Galilee, and we have just read about Mary Magdalene and Mary. Yes, there were two Marys. Mary Magdalene and Mary's mother witnessing the angel rolling back the stone, revealing the empty tomb. And something I loved about this chapter is that both women, it tells us, ran out of the tomb in fear and great joy. And so they're off to go and tell his crew of disciples the best news of all time, right? Hey, Jesus Christ is back, baby, and he's alive again. But here's the kicker. Jesus himself met them on the way to tell the good news, and he told them to rejoice. Do not be afraid. Don't be afraid. And to go and tell my brethren, fancy word for brothers, to go to Galilee, and there they will see me. Jesus is literally telling the women to go tell. Jesus passed the message to both Marys, basically saying, I'm paraphrasing here. Hey, go tell my crew of brothers to meet me in Galilee and get this. As the secret Galilee meeting is about to happen, the manhunt has begun to find out A, what the heck happened? Why is the tomb empty? And B, where did Jesus go? Like, can you imagine the tension that was there in the city? Like they literally had soldiers standing guard at the tomb and then bam, the angel appears, an earthquake happens, the stone is rolled away and the tomb is empty chaos, right? But y'all, the Bible literally has it all because as this is going on, you have the big dogs who thought they had Jesus taken care of, having a full breakdown in Minty B, mental breakdown, shout out TikTok for the new nickname there. The soldiers are internally freaking out because how in the world 
are you going to explain that, hey, the man that did literal miracles, you know, the one with the name that carried freedom and joy, the man we mocked and killed, um, he isn't in the tomb anymore. See, so this angel came and, and kind of rolled the stone away after this massive earthquake hit, and the tomb is empty. So uh, what do you want us to do? P.S. Please don't kill us. No, sir, I think that was in the back of their mind. Seriously. I wish I had the sound effect of the dun 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 because that's the feel here on the soldier side, right? Like, can you imagine being in their shoes? They were big nervous. So chief priests and elders assemble and they gave the soldiers some money and basically said, I have a solution. We're going to fabricate a whole story that his disciples came at night and stole his body. And if this reaches the top dogs in the government, we'll pacify them and protect you guys. Like, man, y'all love to lie, huh? Because that makes total sense, right? <laughs> Plus, I don't know about you, but I wouldn't be trusting nobody. If I was one of the soldiers, I'd be like, I'm, I'm going to head out. I'm going home. Bye. Safe to say, tensions were high right here. So back to the spotlight, back to Matthew 28, 20. The chapter shifts and we are in the city of Galilee. The place holds monumental moments concerning the life of Jesus. And we come back full circle to where it all began. And verse 28 is part of a group of scriptures labeled Jesus in Galilee, his great commission. So if we look up the word commission, the definition is an instruction, command, or duty given to a person or group of people. So this part in the chapter is the call that Jesus gave his disciples back then. But here's the thing. The commission still carries into today to us now as his followers to go and tell somebody about Jesus. Just like Jesus told both Marys to go tell the disciples that he's alive, he is directing us to do the same. Just like the disciples were made for that day and time to go and tell the good news, you and I were made for this day and time too. You were made for this. Do not let the enemy tell you the lie of no one cares about your testimony. You need to be quiet. No one will listen to you about Jesus. Here's the thing. What if, this is just a thought, what if someone hears you talking about Jesus and that's the moment for them, the point they open their heart and accept him? If Jesus had a banner and wrote something on it for this chapter, I think that this saying would have been it. Go and tell someone about me. Go and tell someone about Jesus. It's the end quote of every episode of the podcast, right? So you might be asking, okay, Peyton, I know Jesus and I follow him and I've accepted him, but how in the world can I go spread the good news? I've got you. Don't worry. Some ways you can spread the good news include, number one, film a testimony video or write in your notes app and post it, whether it's your testimony or a Jesus moment you experienced throughout the week or recently, or your why I follow Jesus, and put it on a social media platform, either TikTok, YouTube, Instagram, whatever you use. This can help give you more power over the enemy by using your voice for the glory of God. Let your story be for his glory, not your own or anyone else's. Number two, be an ambassador for Jesus. You can do this by wearing clothes or jewelry that are about Christ. Some of my favorite places that have sick Jesus merch are Elevated Faith, Seek Jesus Co., and He Would Love First. I'm actually going to post some of my favorite pieces to our Instagram soon. Hint, hint to the fam listening. Those would make cute Christmas gifts. Wink, wink. I'm kidding. Number three, post Bible verses on your socials. You never know what someone is going through. Maybe they're on the fence about the whole following Jesus thing and see your post about John 3, 16, for example, and that's the tipping point where they say yes to Christ. 
The whole point of this podcast is to help others see Jesus and to tell them that he loves them and wants a relationship with them despite your past, despite what you've done. You never know what stepping out for Jesus will do for others in the best way, of course. And finally, we have at number four, post a photo, whether it's a picture of your Bible with notes, Bible scriptures, or a compilation of quotes you love about Christ. This can help more people hear about Jesus too. And to top it off, like I mentioned, y'all, this is the last chapter of the book of Matthew. Going out with a bang, to say the least. But obviously, this is not the end of Jesus' story, y'all. The story still continues today because he is still changing lives, delivering people, healing, and setting them free. We have multiple books of the Bible that tell accounts of what happened after this. You know, you have Paul and his letters, the four gospels, the other three, that tell more details of the same story. And my favorite, honestly, out of the gospels, I have to say is John, hands down, 100%. So here's my challenge to you. I challenge you to, of course, read Matthew, maybe start with two or three chapters a day, get the Holy Bible app and listen, and take notes. Usually, if I'm going through a hard time, I flip back to my notes and maybe check out a few verse spotlights from previous episodes, and it just helps me in so much with understanding the Bible. Highly, highly recommend doing that. Now, some of you might be asking, Peyton, why is this your favorite scripture? Out of all the verses, why did you pick this one? Why Matthew 28, 20? Well, let me tell you why. Partly because it shows the realness and exclusivity of Jesus, that each relationship he has with every person is different because no one lives the same exact lifestyle, right? Everyone has a different way of living. Jesus isn't a God that is looking for a specific person or lifestyle, but someone that is willing to come to him as you are, not trying to hide or pretend to be perfect. The Bible tells us that there is none good but him and that we all have fallen short of the glory of God. But that's where this verse comes into play. Through Jesus dying and rising again, he offers us salvation and grace. I think those are two of my favorite words lately, salvation and grace, because salvation is what changed my life completely and gave me full access to Jesus. But grace, oh my gosh, grace is something that I see daily. God showed us grace by pardoning our sins, dying on the cross, and taking us back every single time we mess up or forget to spend time with him. He never leaves. He shows us grace here in Matthew 28, 22. How? Well, if we break the verse down, really study it, we can read between the lines, so to speak, right? Jesus is saying to you and me that there is a better life outside of being stuck in sin, and that is living a life devoted to him. To understand this concept better, let's look at the first part of the verse. Teaching them to observe all the things I have commanded you. First off, who is them? Who is Jesus talking about here? So I found that in the New Living Translation version, them is referring to new disciples. That's you and me. And if you haven't accepted Christ, you can be a new disciple today. Like extra, extra, read all about it. You can be a new disciple today, right now, right here in this moment. Jesus is calling you out of your past that the devil has you stuck in. He's calling you out of the grave of sin and into mercy, grace, salvation, and forgiveness. Rest in this today. Jesus doesn't have a list of requirements for you to be a part of his team. Just invite him into your heart. Where the devil hangs your past over your head as a constant reminder, Jesus puts an expiration date on it. The minute you say yes to Christ, 
you say goodbye to your past and goodbye to your old self, and you walk in the newness that Christ has called us into. And if you're listening right now and you want to accept Christ and you're excited and want to get to know him more, pray this with me. Dear Jesus, I confess that I'm a sinner, but you came down to earth and died so that I could be free. I was worth saving to you. I ask that you forgive me of all my sins, cleanse me of my past and make me new. Don't let me look back, but help me to run after you for the rest of my life. Amen. Now, if you just prayed that with me, first off, I am so excited for you. Yay. Go get a cake, confetti poppers, and all the fun things because this is the biggest reason for celebration in your entire life. You just secured a squat on Team Jesus. This is just the beginning, and I'm so proud of you. In fact, if you prayed that prayer, comment the heart hands emoji below in the comments. So the next question for this verse is what teachings is Jesus referring to here? Simply put, He is speaking of his life as a whole to carry on his ministry and pass the gospels down from generation to generation. And the boys did it. The disciples did it. They secured the bag because they got to work in writing letters and retelling the stories of the miracles and the various encounters people had with Christ and the lessons that Jesus taught them. A few include show mercy, love your neighbor as much as yourself, show forgiveness in the face of hate and forgive yourself. Don't beat yourself up over your last mistake or slipping up because that's like throwing a pity party for yourself. Don't hate me. I was told that once, okay? Basically, again, we come back to that iconic question of what would Jesus do? Ask yourself that in every situation each day. What would Jesus do? What would he say? How would he react? Be a light to others always. I encourage you to do that today. So if we observe the teaching of Jesus just as he commands, then we know how to react in certain situations how to walk and talk the talk, so to speak. I know I talk about this a ton, but I always think of those bracelets that say, again, WWJD or what would Jesus do? Such a great conversation starter, by the way. Shout out to that company. Love you guys so much. But ask yourself this throughout your week. What would Jesus say here? How would he react? And if you're unsure, go into the book of Matthew and find instances that give us examples of the iconic question, what would Jesus do? Trust me, there's a few in this story. So finally, let's look at the last part of the verse. My favorite part, when Jesus says this, and lo, I am with you always, even to the end of the age. First of all, I know what you're thinking because I thought the same thing. Lo, what the heck does that mean? So lo is another word for look or see. It's really an expression of surprise and something interesting is an acronym for low is little ones. L-O stands for little ones. And we as followers are called sons and daughters, the children of God. That was cool to uncover. (laughs) So replace low with little ones. And it's like a father talking to his kids, right? But overall, if I could describe this quote in one word, I would say it's sweet. Y'all, there is a sweetness to Jesus, not in an ooey gooey soft sweet, because let's be honest, Jesus is just and holy. But there's a love there that's so pure that nothing can compare to knowing him. Nothing can compare to having a relationship with him. This quote tells me that the love of God has no end and that he is a constant in our life once we accept him into our hearts. And when I was doing a deep dive of this verse, I found that 
The word always used here in this scripture comes from a Greek saying only used in the New Testament. That means the whole of every day. So this assures us that people may come and go through your life, but Jesus stays. He always stays through the good and bad days, regardless on if you spend time with him one day or get caught up in life and forget, he's there. And I love that part about Christ. He'll never leave you or forsake you. He'll be with you always, just like this verse assures us of. And just a tidbit for the people who are following Jesus or, or who have been brought up in a Christian family but have strayed a little. I saw a post this week, and uh, I wanted to share it with you. And it said, God is excited to hear from you again, forgive you again, and carry you again. He's not as tired of you as you are of yourself. Come back again. I wish I knew who created that, but whoever you are, that is such a sweet and lasting word because it can be applied to people who haven't heard about Christ before too. He's just as excited for you to open your heart to him, to hear you say, Jesus, I open my heart's door, please come in. I seriously can't imagine how happy God must get when he hears you say yes to accepting his son. I can see it now. Jesus clicks the pen walks over to the book of life and opens it and begins signing your name. There is such a sweetness to Jesus that nothing in the world can compare to having a relationship with him, to truly knowing him. So winding down the episode here, I want to do an honorable mention of my favorite moment from Matthew slash a teaser for an episode in the near future. So this is new. I haven't really done this before, but I hope in hearing snippets, you will read the story of Matthew as a whole. So I picked a moment, even though it was super hard, because this book is packaged in a way that as you read it, you can just feel how much God loves the world, that no matter where you are, or what you've done, Jesus loves you today. You don't want to stop reading because we're talking about and reading about the birth, life, death, and resurrection of Jesus in the 28 chapters that make up Matthew. It's such a fun and thrilling and, and honestly and capturing read. 10 out of 10 for sure. So the moment that I want to focus on is the parable of the pearl of great price. And the thing that stuck out to me was that in the same way that pearls are precious and kept close, it's the same way with Jesus. What a great thing it is to know about him and to know him personally. So as I mentioned, I'll be doing a whole entire episode on the pearl parable because it's just that good. Plus, I love pearls. They're my favorite piece of jewelry to wear. Honestly, I think I would love to incorporate pearls into my wedding ring. I don't even know if you can do that, but just a thought. (laughs) But I'm still single, so that's a way off. But more on the pearl parable in the future, so stay tuned for that for sure. So here's the hard truth for this episode. You can either follow God afar off or you can choose to be a friend to God. You may be asking, where in the Bible does it say you can be a friend to God? I mean, Peyton, come on, he is God, the one who created the sun, moon, and stars, controls the tide in the ocean, and keeps the earth spinning, and you're saying we can be his friend? Yes, you can. How can we we do that? How can we treat Jesus as a friend? Well, if you're friends with someone, they aren't a stranger to you, first of all. You know them, their likes, dislikes, what they love and what they can't stand. Every detail about their life, you know most of the time. And it's no different with God. I encourage you to become God's friend. And if you haven't accepted Jesus, I want you to know that Jesus, the man who came to earth, died on the cross and rose again, did it all for you. He is interested in you. 
He looked ahead in time many years and saw you. And he saw every version of you and still said, you're the one that I want. I love you. I can't say this enough. I don't care what your past looks like. When you accept Jesus into your heart, that is immediately wiped away because that's not who you are anymore. That's the past. And you're made new in him. Jesus wipes all that away when you say yes and he walks into your heart. He evicts everything that the enemy has ever said to you, evicts your past, evicts past mistakes, anything that you're shameful of. He wipes it all away, tosses it into the sea of forgetfulness, never to be remembered again. You're made new in him. Rejoice in that today. And I want to close this episode with some good news. You don't have to go far to find God. You can pray the prayer of salvation in a car in your office cubicle, in your bedroom, in a line at a coffee shop, or in the middle of the grocery store. Why? Because Jesus has no boundaries when it comes to saving a soul. He would go back to the cross and do it all over again for your sake, little you and me, for us. And if he would do that, he will surely meet you in the line at Starbucks or in aisle three getting bread and take residence in your heart because that's who Jesus is. Gosh, here come the tears. (laughs) I'm so glad he is a big God that he created the whole world and paints sunrises and sunsets, but yet he makes himself small to fit into my heart. Because when you're close, when he lives in your heart, that's intimate. He's close to you. He's as close as ever. So remember that this week if you're facing hardships or feel lonely. If you have Jesus, you're never truly alone. Let's close with the prayer. Dear Jesus, I want to take a moment to thank you for the love you show us daily, for being a personal father who cares about every detail of our life, and for listening, truly listening to what we are saying when we speak to you. I thank you that even though it may seem like the enemy is coming in from all sides, you always provide a way of escape from trouble. I thank you for the promise that you will be with us always, just as the scripture says, and that your love is never ending and infinite. Amen. And with that, y'all, it is a wrap on episode 18. Do not forget to hit that follow button at the top. We are, I think, at 59 followers on Spotify. So let's make it 60. Give the show some love and give us a five-star rating and click the bell to get all the notifications for the future. Share the show with somebody for encouragement or to introduce them to Jesus. And a quick shout out to the TJS family. I always have to do this every episode. I appreciate all of you for sticking with me and showing support. It means more than you ever know. Love you all, fam. Follow our Instagram at the Jesus Sampler to stay updated on the pod and to watch some funny reels. I recently started posting more funnier ones. I think the most recent one was of Jennifer Lawrence. Just go check that out. Okay, no context, just Jennifer Lawrence. Next week, I'm breaking down how to be more authentic and following Jesus. And that episode brings some heat, y'all. It's a good one. It's going to be good. And as always, don't forget to tell someone about Jesus today, and I will catch you guys in the next episode. See you guys next week. Love you guys. Bye.